Welcome to Think Outside the Pod, a podcast all about eating disorder recovery, how to heal your relationship with food, body image, and exercise, and health at every size. I'm your host, Anna Wegner, and I'm a food freedom and body image coach here to help you break free from diet culture and embrace your true, authentic self. Before I dive into this podcast, I wanted to mention that I have two openings in my coaching right now, two open slots for one-on-one coaching. If you're somebody who's struggling with your relationship with food, whether you're struggling with an eating disorder, whether you are struggling with body image, body dysmorphia, whether you are trying to learn how to tell when you're hungry or when you're full and what is feeling satisfied like, if you want to just learn how to eat intuitively, if you're curious about how to approach fitness in a way that isn't centered around how your body looks, but rather how your body feels, reach out to me. I can help you, and I would love to help you. If those are things that you're struggling with, this is an opportunity for you to open up your entire life. Oftentimes when I work with clients, yeah, they come to me wanting to focus on these things, but they always find that when they heal their relationship with food and body, everything else in their life opens up. It's like a key that opens up a million doors to things that don't even necessarily have to do with food and body. But people will find that they're now more confident to pursue careers that they never would have done had they stayed in this darkness. They pursue relationships that they normally wouldn't have. They get reconnected with their hobbies Their social life flourishes, and I could go on and on and on, but I want you to know that there is such a bright version of life waiting for you, and if you're ready to start pursuing that, DM me at think.outside.the.bod on Instagram, or you can email me at annawegnercoaching at gmail.com, that's A-N-N-A-W-E-G-N-E-R at gmail.com. We can set up a free hour-long call. You can ask me any questions you have about coaching. I can give you a little bit of a taste of coaching so you can see what it's like. And we can see if we're a good fit for each other. Now, on to today's episode. Yo, 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 what is up? I am currently recording in my Toyota FJ Cruiser. I got this car before I went home um, when I was in Hawaii. And my farm host that I was living with sold me this car and so far I love it. I don't know how much longer I'm going to have it, but it's been so much fun to to use and I started building it out. I built a bed in the back, so that's kind of been a side project that I've been working on. I'm sort of easing my way into the idea of living out of a car. So <laughs> recording a podcast in a car is a really good way for me to test, you know, how feasible is it going to be for me to work out of my car. So this is a lot of fun. Does it smell like wetsuits and seawater and a little bit of mildew? Yeah, and I'm sorry if that grosses some of you out, but that is the reality of my life here in Hawaii, and that's okay. I'm, I'm here to embrace it. Okay, so in my last podcast, I mentioned that I'm dealing with this hip injury right now and still dealing with it. Um, I went back home to take care of this injury that I think I got from just overworking my body. And if you want more background on that, you can listen to the other podcasts. I don't want to reiterate it too much for those of you who have already heard about it so much because I feel like I talk about it all the time right now. Um, But anyways, with injuries, 
as a lot of you probably have experienced, there are there are many emotions and many mental struggles that come with being injured. It's just all of a sudden this huge limitation on on your life, you know, all these things that you don't even think twice about doing every single day are suddenly no longer doable or only doable in the presence of physical pain. In addition to that, if you're struggling with your relationship with exercise, maybe you have an exercise addiction as I really struggled with in the past, it can be really difficult to deal with not being able to exercise the same way that you're used to because with addictions, and I'm going to dive more into this as the episode goes on, Um, And with eating disorders too, which some argue is a form of an addiction. I don't know, that's up for debate, but I do think no matter what, it is a way to distract ourselves from feeling things that we don't want to feel. I know when I was exercising all the time, it was a way for me to just distract myself and not feel these things that I really needed to face and feel. And it also just made me feel safe. It allowed me to control my body, but of course that all comes at a cost. So I am seeing this hip injury as an opportunity. And I'm not trying to be hyper optimistic here. I'm really just taking the situation. I'm taking the things that are true without story, and choosing to put a story to it that best serves me. So what I mean is I can tell this story about my hip that it's making my life so much worse, that it's limiting my life, that I'd be so much happier if it wasn't hurt, that I'd be able to do all these things that I came to Hawaii to do, whether that's hiking or farm work or swimming or surfing all of these things and it's just getting in the way and it's making it hard to just do anything normal and it's evil and I hate it and I want it to go away. Okay, that's one story I could tell and I can find the evidence for that easily. I have, I just listed all the pieces of evidence that I could use to support that story. But there's always another reality. In fact, there's infinite realities and you get to choose which one you're going to live by. So for a while there, I was stuck in that story of pity and sadness and anger and frustration. And I still, I still have those emotions come up. This is a frustrating experience. And I'm not trying to stop myself from feeling those things. I'm letting myself feel them. And then I'm taking a step back and go, going, what are these emotions trying to tell me? And I've seen this as an opportunity to really take a hard look at myself. Why is it that I'm so frustrated that I can't do these things? Why do I need to go hiking and surfing and work on a farm for five hours a day in order to feel happy? Those things definitely do make me happy and that's not going to change. I'm always going to enjoy those things. But why do I have to be unhappy in the absence of those things? And so what I've started to do is just really look at you know, what can I do with this time that I have now? This time that I would be spending doing those things that I feel like I'm missing out on, what can I do instead? And to be completely transparent, I have a lot of self-work to do and I'm not embarrassed to share that. I think everybody always has room for improvement. We're always dealing with our own personal stuff, right? And the truth is I no longer exercise to like look a certain way and exercise really is important to me and I genuinely enjoy it and it took me a long time to get to a place where it wasn't about losing weight or trying to make my body look a certain way but I'm still struggling with respecting the limitations of my body 
I love feeling connected to nature through movement. I love feeling connected to my body through movement. But when you push it too hard, you're suddenly really disconnected from your body. And that's kind of been what's happening to me is I just push myself too hard. And I've had to learn the hard way through this injury that my body has limitations and I have to respect that. And so I've been writing a lot about why... I push myself so hard why I ignore these signals that my body's telling me to rest and what I can do instead of doing physical activity all the time. So for a long time, I've wanted to learn more about investing. I've wanted to learn more about cooking. I've wanted to learn more about carpentry. I've wanted to have more time to be social. And all of a sudden, I have all this free time and the universe is like, hey, you've been asking to do these things for so long and now you can, like, here you go, right? Like, it's almost gifting me this time. It's gifting me this opportunity to do other things and spice things up and mix it up a little bit. So I have gone through this sort of thing before, and the last time I went through this, well, it was a five-year stretch, so I experienced this thing while I was deep in an eating disorder and then it still was going on even after I went through recovery. So what happened, and some of you might know this, if you know me well, you know this about me. I, my senior year of high school, developed a knee injury, and this knee injury was really hard to diagnose. I went to so many doctors. I spent hours and hours and hours in physical therapy. I had to take a lot of time off of running. Running was my thing. I was going to college to run, and no one could figure out what the heck was wrong with my knee. And this went on for literally five years, just this constant knee pain where I had to be careful about how much I walked. I had to be really careful about the shoes that I wore. I had to be careful about just the type of movement that I did. And at the time, I was deeply in love with backpacking. I was just, I was still a newbie to it. I had gone a few times and I just loved it. And I was like, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to get into backpacking. And then the knee injury just was like, nope, not going to happen. Sorry. And there were times... and, and. And going through this while you're going through an eating disorder and you're addicted to exercise, holy cow, was that crazy to navigate. I mean, I would try every which way to find a way to move my body, find a way to burn calories, find a way to to just work out around my knee. And there were a lot of times where I did things that probably made it worse. And I absolutely had no respect for my body's recovery. I didn't care if I was in pain. I didn't care if I was injured. I just wanted to burn calories and be able to have that control. Granted, I really did want to run. I mean, running was my my whole life. And so there was a part of me that was, you know, very dedicated to physical therapy. And I was probably more careful than I would have been had I not had this desire to get back to competitive running, but I still was like not super wise about it. And the eating disorder part of my brain was definitely taking over and was the the dictator of most of my actions. So there were times where I'd be going through recovery and then my knee would flare up and all of a sudden I couldn't even do like gentle walking because the, so I took a break from exercise when I went through recovery and then when I was easing back into it, I would do like gentle walking, light swimming, you know, just like basic strength training exercises, like mostly like physical therapy stuff. So like bodyweight stuff, and I was doing that to take care of my knee. But even that stuff would hurt sometimes, and 
I would get so frustrated and it kind of would send me into a little bit of a relapse state and my relationship with food would start to get crazy again and I I don't want to say crazy, more concerning. My relationship with food would become concerning again, Um, but that's okay. You know, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing recovery wrong and I'm never going to get better and I keep taking steps back and that means I'm I'm just not doing this right and recovery is just not for me like I'm just never going to get better but what I realized and what I was taught was that even if you have quote-unquote slip-ups I don't I don't like calling them that because I don't think that's fair you know I think healing your relationship with food is a journey that has a lot of ups and downs and to expect yourself to just go into recovery and then never engage in any eating disorder behaviors ever again is not realistic, not fair at all. And actually those times where we do give into the behaviors are really, really, really good opportunities for us to collect the data and go like, okay, so what happened before I did this behavior? What was I feeling during it? And what happened afterwards? And then just kind of learning about your own triggers, what causes you to engage in these things so that in the future, you know how to better handle those situations. Or you ask yourself like, what did I actually need in that moment? So the next time that it happens, you can better serve yourself and avoid that behavior. And again, it's not going to be perfect every time. Even as you're collecting data and you're picking up on your patterns, you might still be engaging in those behaviors. But the worst thing you can do is shame yourself for it. The best thing you can do is realize, all right, I'm kind of a science experiment right now and I'm just observing, I'm collecting data, I'm a scientist, and I'm just learning about myself. So taking that neutral approach takes so much pressure off and there's just no point in shaming ourselves when when we engage in the behaviors because it just sends us into this guilt and shame spiral and you know what happens when you feel guilty and shameful you blame it on your body then you try to fix your body in order to make up for feeling guilty and shameful because if my body at least looks good then I can deal with the guilt and shame does that sound familiar so I want to transition into how injuries start, right? So there's a million reasons why you can get injured. Um, You can have a blunt trauma, right? So if you get in a car accident and you break your leg, that's like a direct cause, you know, why you broke your leg. And the healing process is like pretty straightforward for that. You know, you got to put your leg in a cast, stay off of it for a while, completely rest. And then once it starts to heal, then you can do some light physical therapy, slowly amp up the physical therapy. And then once you get that general muscle strength back then you can slowly start to do your normal activities ease into it and then eventually get back to normal right like there's this very clear trajectory and of course it's not always completely linear because what is you know we're not computers but there are a lot of injuries that don't have a tangible direct cause for example my knee this was a chronic injury that got worse over time and there was no set cause of it i mean I had multiple MRIs, multiple x-rays, several doctors look at it, and everyone was like, it doesn't look like there's anything wrong, but you are experiencing this pain. And um, I remember going to a physical therapist when I was in college, and we were working together for probably like two months, and I just wasn't seeing any progress at all, like none. And I remember one time she asked me, she's like, do you think this could potentially be mental? And I was so angry when she brought this up, I was like, mental? I'm, I'm experiencing physical pain. What do you mean mental? Are you saying this is all in my head? And she said, I, I get why this is a frustrating thing to think about. And I'm not invalidating your pain. You are obviously experiencing pain. But a lot of times when we're stressed or when we expect our body to hurt, it's likely to hurt. 
and we can create, we can manifest pain with only our minds. And that's not some woo-woo science stuff. That is just true. Pain is technically all in the brain. It's just the, it's just signals that the brain is sending to tell your body, hey, be careful. This part of our body needs to heal. So don't let it hurt too much. And I learned this when I was working at a physical therapy clinic a couple years ago, and they made us watch this whole uh, series, I guess it was over the course of like a month, about how to talk to patients when they're experiencing pain. Because a lot of times we can say words that will make the pain even worse. And I can go into that on another podcast, but the things I'm going to talk about in a second do kind of tie into this. So, of course, pain is real. A lot of times injuries are real. A lot of times you literally have muscle tears or there's something wrong with your bones or your muscles are out of alignment or you broke something or, you know, whatever. It's, or there's something, you have tendonitis, whatever it is. And science is real. Physical therapy is important. But what I wanted to bring up today is that a lot of times it's something deeper. Sometimes it's paired with actual trauma, but often there's something emotional going on. So I had a friend in Hawaii tell me that... He heard this woman tell him that hip pain is often related to relationships. So if you have something going on in your relationships that needs to be looked at, or you're experiencing a lot of stress around relationships, or you don't feel supported in your relationships, then that can manifest in hip pain. Okay, I admit that that sounds woo-woo, that sounds like I'm saying science isn't real, and I, I was skeptical when I first heard this too. So I looked up what knee pain means in a spiritual sense or a symbolic sense because I experienced knee pain for five years and I did the physical therapy religiously. I'm like a PT's favorite patient, honestly. But what I read about was that knee pain often represents inflexibility in our lives, an unwillingness to be flexible and adaptable and often being very rigid in your routine and not allowing your life to change or to make major changes in your life because you're afraid or whatever it is, just an unwillingness to to be flexible and to adapt to different situations. And that is absolutely 100% something I struggled with. When the knee pain started, I was very much rigid and I wanted structure in my life and everything had to go according to plan. And a lot of that was the eating disorder. A lot of that was my life just feeling out of control and I wanted that control and being flexible was terrifying because what's going to happen if I don't know what's going to happen? And the knee pain, believe it or not, went away when I left my four-year relationship, moved out of the place that we were living in together, and took a leap and made my plans to move to Hawaii. The knee pain just went away. Swear to God. It just went away. I, I can't think of anything I did differently with my body that would have changed it. Of course, my relationship with exercise changed during recovery, but the knee pain continued long after recovery. So that's interesting. But with the hip pain, I listened to what my friend had to say and I dug deeper and I realized I am struggling with my relationships. And of course, this is really personal, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I know that I'm not being completely authentic in my relationships. I'm not being honest with myself. I am not setting boundaries where I could be setting boundaries. And I'm not asking myself what I need. I'm not asking, I'm not really showing up for myself the way that I ideally would. So again, this might sound crazy, but really when we boil it down, energy exists within our body. When we don't allow ourselves to feel or process energy, it stays stored in the body. I want you to think about when you're stressed. Maybe your shoulders tense up. Maybe your stomach feels tight or uneasy. 
Think of when you're anxious. Maybe you feel tightness in your chest. Maybe you feel nauseous. Maybe you get a headache. Think of when you feel sadness or heartbreak. A lot of times there's like a pit in our stomach, a weight on our chest. And this energy needs to be processed. This energy needs to be looked at. When we're holding it in our body for long periods of time, that means that we need to do something to allow that energy to go through us. And there's tons of techniques to do this. You can do writing. You can talk to somebody. Um, you can do it through gentle movement. You can cry. You can do body shaking. You can do scream therapy. There's all these things to let that energy move through you the way it needs to. And this is why when I talk to clients on my calls, we always start with a meditation. And I'll ask them to do a body scan. So we'll start from the head and go all the way down to the toes. And I'll ask them, you know, name three emotions that you feel in this moment. So they'll name the three emotions. And then I say, where in your body do you feel that emotion? And the reason why I ask that is because it can really send us clues as to why we're feeling certain sensations in our body. It's like, oh, that's why my stomach feels tight. Or the opposite, like, I don't know what I'm feeling. Okay, well, what physical sensations are you feeling today? Well, I feel a lightness in my shoulders. I feel butterflies in my stomach. And it's like, oh, well, what emotion do you think that's tied to? Well, maybe that means I'm excited and joyful today. So emotions are directly connected to our physical body. They manifest physically. So of course, I'm going to continue doing physical therapy and I'm going to continue to rest. And I'm also going to look within to see if something deeper is going on. Maybe this is purely physical. Maybe my back is just messed up and that's why my hip is hurting. And I really just need to strengthen certain muscles in order to get everything back into alignment. But even if none of this was actually true, like all the emotional stuff, even if it was all woo-woo, I think it's helpful because it gives me a reason to look deeper within myself. I don't think anything is necessarily true, right? There is no like right or wrong. Like I don't think it's fair to say that physical therapy is the, the right thing to do or just looking at your emotions is the right thing to do. I think it's important to try on all these modalities and see what works. Because if it works, why not go for it? So I just see what works for me and I share accordingly. If this doesn't resonate with you, that is completely okay. But again, I think it's worth trying on. There's plenty of things that my mentors have preached to me that I tried and I didn't like or align with. That doesn't mean those things aren't true or that they don't work or they don't work for my clients, nor will I judge anyone that says it works for them. And by keeping an open mind, I'm able to really try it on without bias, without being cynical, without going into it expecting a particular result. Through this, I've weeded things out and I've also discovered some pretty incredible modalities for myself. So relating this all back to eating disorders, because that's what this is about. That's probably why you're listening to this podcast is to learn about how to heal your relationship with food and body. So we often think that eating disorders are about food or they're about our body. You know, like I'm afraid of food and I don't like my body. That's why I have an eating disorder. But it's always something deeper. Do you see the theme here? There's always something underlying going on. There's always something we're trying to run away from, something we're not willing to feel. So I want to ask you, how might you be avoiding feeling certain things by putting all of your focus and energy into dieting, exercise, restriction, body checking, weighing yourself, etc.? Maybe life is really stressful for you right now. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you're afraid of gaining weight. And that one goes deeper, right? So again, it's like, oh, well, I just, I just don't want to be um, fat and unattractive. Well, that immediately tells me that you have a belief 
that being in a bigger body automatically makes you less attractive. So my next questions would be to dig deeper, right? So I'd ask things like, what are you afraid will happen if your body changes? When did those beliefs start? Probably in your childhood. So I ask people to look into the very specific moments that they remember first hearing about these ideas. And then asking, are those things true? Like really getting to the root of like, well, is it true? Because we operate as if all of these things are the absolute truth. But are they? Or are they just the opinions of our society? Have we been culturally conditioned to believe these things? And then the next question is, how can we change the story we tell ourselves so that it's more empowering for us? It's really valid that you don't want to feel certain things. I've been there. We are told that we should strive to feel happy at all times. Feeling so-called quote-unquote negative feelings is bad. And we're sold band-aids to cover these feelings, whether it's actual drugs, shopping, romantic relationships, material items, money, etc., etc., etc. So the next thing I want to touch on is this idea of pain of absence versus pain of presence. So I learned this in the course I did with Brandolin Tebow and Kara Carincefeli. Pain of presence is the in-the-moment intensity and discomfort that we feel. So this is entirely unavoidable. It's part of the human experience. We cannot avoid feeling feelings. It's just how we work. No matter how hard we try to run away from them, they're always going to be there. Pain of absence is what we miss out on when we avoid the pain of presence. So what we miss out on when we try to distract ourselves from feeling those things. And I want to note here that it's impossible to kill off pain without killing off joy. So the capacity at which you're willing to feel negative, quote-unquote, negative feelings is the same capacity at which you're willing to feel joy. So if you allow these emotions that are scary to exist you'll be able to experience joy at an even higher level. So the question I want to ask you is this. If blank weren't such a problem for me, then blank. I want you to fill in that sentence. If blank weren't such a problem for me, then blank. For example, if my hip pain weren't such a problem for me, then I'd be able to do all these things that make me really happy. The more we avoid the pain of presence, the more pain we get in the form of absence. So what I mean is the more we avoid those feelings that we cannot get rid of, the more we miss out on in our lives. Most of us have been taught to avoid our stuffed down emotions. So we've been made to believe that avoidance is the solution. So we think that we can control our emotions like we can control external things like if it's hot you turn on the ac and the heat goes away if it's dark you switch on the light make the darkness go away so we've made to believe that this will work internally as well but the internal rules are actually opposite if you aren't willing to have it you will the more you resist the more it persists the more you resist emotions the more they will come up the stronger they'll be the more intense they'll be and the more detriment they'll have in your life. So we've been taught that we should be able to control our thoughts and emotions. And this is because of authority figures, right? So a lot of the authority figures growing up, they masked their pain, right? So we never really saw, I mean, I don't know about your personal experience, but I think in general, we don't see our teachers cry. You know, people don't share about personal hardships that they're going through because that's taboo and you don't put that on other people, right? That's kind of the rhetoric around 
those emotions, those experiences, and we're learning from these authority figures as we're growing up. In our culture, good health and great happiness means getting rid of pain of presence instead of sitting with it. So controlling unwanted thoughts and feelings sometimes works in the short term, but it doesn't work in the long term, and it often makes the thing come back even stronger. So think about how this has happened to you in your life. Has there been a time where you were feeling something really uncomfortable, whether it was anxiety or stress, and maybe you drank to get rid of the feelings in the moment, or maybe you went for a run to get rid of the feelings. And sometimes, like, moving your body can be a good, like, stress reliever, but if you're really experiencing chronic stress all the time and there's something going on in your life that's causing this stress on a regular basis, going for a run or drinking is not going to make that thing go away, right? It goes away for a second while you're engaging in that behavior, but then it always comes back, and oftentimes even stronger than before. So what is the solution here? The solution is willingness. The past repeats itself until you deal with it. What does willingness actually look like, though? It's actively responding to thoughts, emotions, feelings, memories by experiencing all of them. So emotions are really just energy and motion. That's why they manifest physically in our body, because they're energy. If we're feeling guilty or scared about a thought or an emotion and we shove it down, they become more powerful. So we need to let ourselves feel them and let it be seen in order for them to move through us. All of our feelings are sentient. They're literally individual pieces of energy. So when we stuff them and ignore them and judge them, they feel awful. So think of each emotion as its own sentient being that needs nurturing, that needs love, that needs compassion, that needs someone to listen to it and cater to its needs. Because when you allow yourself to feel these things, then they'll move through you. Feelings themselves can't hurt, hurt you. I'm going to say that again. Feelings themselves cannot hurt you. They're just feelings. And sometimes they feel really uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, they can't hurt you in and of themselves. It's the actions we do in reaction to the emotions that cause damage. So this can be really scary. So the thing that's really important to note is that we need to slowly turn up the dial of willingness. So too much can sometimes blow a fuse and reintroduce trauma. So we need to be really careful about how we approach this. Slowly titrate it. Do it for a couple seconds. Start by just naming where you feel the emotion in your body. Do that for a week or two. Then start by letting yourself sit with it for 30 seconds and then a minute and then a minute and a half. And then maybe have someone be there with you whether it's a coach or a therapist, be there with you while you're experiencing this to create a safe space. Make sure you are doing it in a safe space each time you do it. And remember that any feeling that you have is not you. You are not your thoughts, emotions, or your body. You're not even your body. You are simply the witness. The goal of willingness is not to feel better. It's to be better at feeling your emotions. So approach this with curiosity. Approach it like the detective that I talked about earlier. You are the scientist. You're collecting data. It's okay if it's not perfect at first. Notice when you do end up having a panic attack. What happened during that? What thoughts were you having? What judgments were you having about your emotions? And just write it down and look back on what you write down and notice any patterns that come up. So what I'm trying to do with my hip injury right now is notice what makes it hurt more, like what triggers the pain. So sometimes it's legitimate physical activity, but then I've also noticed when I'm feeling rejected, when I feel sad, when I feel stressed, when I feel exhausted, 
the hip starts to hurt a lot more. The other day I was just feeling really overwhelmed. I've been kind of moving all over the place, trying to settle into a, a place here. And it's just been a really exhausting transition. And I have people around me that are taking care of me and who love me and I'm in a safe place. So I have a ton to be grateful for, but that doesn't mean the transition isn't difficult or tiring. And I noticed the other day I was just feeling like really stressed out and I knew I needed to talk to my friend about it, but I just like didn't know what to say. And I kept telling myself like, oh, you're just stressed. Like, you don't need to talk about this. Like, you know why you're feeling this. Like, you know, don't burden him, which is such a toxic way to look at it. And again, I'm not perfect and I don't believe that thought, but it still goes through my brain, right? Where when you're emotional, sometimes it's hard to to, to think rationally. Um, but the important thing is that I was able to reflect on it afterwards. But anyways, I'm feeling all this pent up energy and my hip is just, oh my gosh, it's hurting so badly and I'm getting really frustrated. So like that's, I'm already frustrated. The hip pain's getting worse. That's making me more frustrated. And it's just this like endless cycle. And what finally broke the cycle was I ended up having a conversation with my friend and it started as an outburst and I wasn't really making sense at first. And then eventually I was able to calm down and have a conversation about it. And I promise you, I swear to God, an hour later, my hip felt so much better which makes sense, right? If you're holding on to a ton of energy and it's building up inside of you, you kind of like start to get tense. You start to close off to everything. Like think of like your shoulders rolling forward and you're kind of just like wanting to hide and curl up in a ball and everything's tight and you just feel like, ugh, like stressed. That is of course going to create pain in your body. My back is already tight. My hip is already not feeling great. So when those muscles are tense, it's putting a way more pressure on that area of my body all of a sudden. So it makes sense that these feelings were manifesting as mus muscle tension, thus making my hip feel worse. So I'm trying to look at, are there things that are causing me to tense up or causing me to hold my body in a certain way that causes the hip pain, right? So in a way, it's still looking at the body, but it's digging deeper instead of just looking like, well, my hip hurts, so what's wrong with my hip? Well, let's get to the root cause. Why is your hip going out of whack in the first place? Maybe, again, maybe it is just that my muscles are out of whack and that's just how I was built. But I also think that there's other things causing my hip pain that if I look at them, it'll at least make the whole process easier. And even if it has nothing to do with my hip pain, this is still an opportunity to make sure that I'm in alignment with my life. Like, why not look at that? Even if my hip still continues to hurt, at least I'm improving that part of my life. So all this to say, there's always something deeper to look at. And although injuries suck, although going through stressful times suck, although having to experience something that inhibits the way you're able to function really, really sucks, it's also an opportunity if you look at it a different way. If you're struggling with this, I invite you to invite in these emotions that you're feeling and just get curious. Just have fun with it. And if it's not fun at first, I totally get that. Sometimes it's not always fun. Sometimes I'm sitting there crying, having breakdowns, feeling frustrated, wanting to just have a tantrum on the floor. But then always, at least afterwards, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much more gratitude, presence. I feel grounded when I choose the perspective of curiosity. I hope that helped. Let me know if you have any questions. And if you listened all the way through, thank you so much. This was a longer episode and I need water. My mouth is dry. <laughs>
<laughs> if you listened all the way through, shoot me a DM. Let me know what you liked most about this podcast. Let me know if you have any suggestions. Let me know if there's anything you didn't like about it. I love discussing this stuff. You know, there, like I said, there are no right or wrongs. There are no truths. So I would love to hear your thoughts on it and just talk about it. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. What happens when the people around you start to see your dream?